Amen. I want to talk to you this morning on our Family First Sundays. We talk about uh, family talk, uh, legacies we want to leave to our children, the next generation. And as a father, uh, one of the things that I would want to leave behind to my children we have talked about several things about uh, keeping the first things first and then and we've said life will be short and some things matter and some things don't. We've talked about that. We've we've talked about a lot of things this year. But another thing I want to talk about today is that there is nothing greater than the pursuit of Jesus Christ, that there is nothing greater. And so the title of this message is no greater. And what does it mean to be captivated by Christ. But because it's Family First Sunday, I've got a special guest who's going to come out here and join us. And he's been going to be helping with our kids' church uh, ministry uh, on our, throughout the 11 o'clock service. And I want you to introduce you to Sanctuary Sam. Sam, come on out here for a minute. And uh, all, all the kids, hey, say, say hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. Sam, he's a little bit shy. I'm a little shy. He's a little shy. Sorry. All right, and uh, maybe we'll turn Sam's microphone up a little bit if we can get him. There we go. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're so glad to have you, Sam. Thanks for being with us in worship. Can you? I want you to see if you'll help me out with the service today. Well, I'll and, do my best. Okay. Well, very good. Hey, uh, Sam, have you, did you go in school? Did you learn about anything called the force of attraction? Hmm. I think I've heard of that. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that on Star Wars? Uh, no, that, that's a different force, but it, oh. that's a force. But hey, the, you know, in science, there's called three forces of attraction. And Mr. Ron Price let me use one of these forces today oh, yeah. for us. I've met Mr. Ron. He's pretty nice. I like him. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's pretty good. Hey, uh, but there are three forces of attraction, all right? Hmm. And uh, one is electricity, like we have lightning. So lightning gets oh. attracted down. Oh. All right. The other one is gravity. Have you ever fallen before? Uh, yeah, once or twice. I scraped my knee, I think. Okay. Yeah, so gravity is a force. Two masses come together. The Earth's uh, mass is pulling us down by gravity, right? And there's another one called magnet. You ever seen a magnet before? Hmm. Not stagnant, but a magnet, oh, right? Oh, magnet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magnet. My so, mom has some of those on the refrigerator, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Magnet on the refrigerator. So, uh, magnets have a force that uh, if it's like nickel or iron, things like that, and is you put the magnet near it, look at that. They're just picking them all the way up. Oh, wow. Yeah, see that? That's so, cool. A magnet, just like your refrigerator magnet. And a magnet has a force of attraction that uh, as if you can magnetize something, a piece of metal like iron, or uh, it draws it together. So the greater the force of attraction, the greater the pull. Right? So the stronger the magnet, the stronger the attraction, the stronger the force of pull. So, hey, let's do a little experiment. Would you help me for a second? I've got, two, well, sure. I've got a couple of magnets here. A magnet for me? I'm going to stick one magnet on the end. There okay. we go. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. And how about you hold one? Sure. Let me put see. one in your hand right there. See if oh. you can hold that for a minute. Oh. There you go. Oh. All right. And uh, let's oh, see. Let's just uh, kind of step over here for a second. Oh. Is it pulling you? Oh. All right. You know, in oh. oh. some... Yeah, let me pull you back. There you go. Okay, hold it right there. Now, sometimes there are two different sizes of magnets and two different forces of pull. So let's what happens if we, we put one on this side. Oh, 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 You feel that force? Yeah, getting pulled in yeah. two directions yeah. at once. Attractions. Goodness. And the strongest magnet ultimately is going to win. You know that? All right. 
Well, so they're pretty strong. Both are, we kind of find yourself in the middle. Oh. Okay, well, that one's stronger. Yeah, All right. that one is. So I the greater so. the, okay, let me. Uh, yeah, can you help me out here? Okay, Thanks. there we go. Oh, Let's just, uh, I'll take these off so they don't mess this up. Oh, thank you. Hey, but the greater the attraction, the greater the force, the greater the pull, okay? So, it, hey, Sam, are, there's something you like to do in your, your life. What are you most mm. attracted to? What's the thing you like to do the most in your life? I really like baseball. Baseball. Yeah. Like, I like baseball. Well, you know, uh, if we see the value, probably you saw the value of baseball, right? You, right. you like the value, uh -huh. so you're attracted to it. Yeah, right. And so when you think about baseball, you want to do it. There's a thing that's drawing you to baseball. Uh -huh. So, you know, in physics, we talk about magnets and being drawn together. But, you know, in life, we're drawn to a lot of things. Uh -huh. And sometimes we're drawn between things. So, you know, maybe one day you, wanted, you found like swimming was really cool. I do like swimming. And you would have to determine which thing you were most attracted to, which thing was drawing hmm. you most, pulling you between it. So I, I still like baseball. You still like baseball. More, okay, yeah. well, uh, you might get a little wet. And I don't know if puppets swim very well, but mm -hmm. we'll stick with baseball. Hey, everybody give Sam a big hand. And Sam's going to come back later on. Bye. All right. So I want to talk to you about the force of attraction. And there's a word uh, that in, in, uh, it's called captivated. And in the Latin, the word captivated means something that has seized you or something that has taken hold of you. And this really has a lot to do with our Christian life. When we see the value or worth of something, we might be attracted to it captivated by it, seized by it, and then we ended up pursuing and following after it. Uh, and then some things come along in our life, whether it be relationships, hobbies, money, fame, reputation, even other types of relationships. It could even be sin issues, drugs, alcohol, addictions, uh, lust. These things begin to pull on us. And whatever we valued the most... Whatever we've allowed to take hold of us, we often find ourselves being pulled between two or three, maybe even four different things. The problem, though, is if we're not pursuing Christ as a supreme subtraction, attraction, that means we really haven't valued Him to the highest. The problem can be, and in this world, as we're attracted to so many different things, we might be pulled in so many different directions. From that relationship to that money, that fame, that career goal, the pleasures of life. But if Christ is not our greatest attraction, we'll find ourselves pulled away. I want to really talk to you this morning about how do you make Christ your greatest attraction? Is Christ the greatest force of pull in your life? Is he the ultimate thing that you are drawn to? Is, that, is he so great? Is the value of his force, the magnetism of Christ, do you find yourself captivated, seized by him, drawn to be pulled to Christ, that no matter how many other types of pulls were in your life, that the ultimate strongest thing in your life, the strongest pull, the strongest devotion, the strongest drawing in your life, have you seen Christ at the surpassing value? of his magnetism. Amen? Look with me in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. How captivated by Christ are you? How drawn to Christ are you really? Do you find yourself thinking about Christ through the week? 
Do you find yourself getting up just wanting to be near Christ? Do you find yourself willing to sacrifice all other pursuits just to get near Him, to gain Him? Because the greater the attraction, the greater the pull. The greater the attraction, the greater the captivation. The greater the attraction, the greatest force. There's no greater pursuit than Christ. There's no greater pursuit than Christ. Look what Paul says about pursuing Christ in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. I'm reading from the New American Standard. It says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And more than that, I count all things to be in loss in view of the surpassing value. Everybody say value. The surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. I count them as but rubbish, or and some in the Greek says garbage, or even a dung heap, the worst possible trash, right? As rubbish that I might gain Christ, that I may be found in Him, not having the righteousness of my own derived from a law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I might know Him. And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death in order that I might attain the resurrection from the dead. And here's the last verse, very important, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on that I might lay hold of that which... Also, I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. What's he saying there? He says, there's surpassing value. And you know what that means in the Greek? Surpassing value. I looked it up. It means the surpassing value. The ultimate force of attraction. The ultimate thing I could ever be attracted to in my life. He says, I have seen him and he is the surpassing value of all things. He's the greatest force of attraction that you could ever possibly comprehend. And he says, if I could just know him, and that word know him means an intimate relationship, to have an intimate communion. That I might have intimate communion with a surpassing value. And once I've seen the surpassing passing value of Christ. I wanted to press on. That word means press on means pursue. Pursue Him. Go actively drawn to Him. Run after Him. Give up everything for Him. I would lay everything else aside. All other pulls in my life. All other fames and reputation. All over every pleasure in life. I would lay it bare because this force of attraction that I have seen with Christ is drawing me beyond everything I could ever imagine that I could know him. And he says, why? He says, that I may take hold of what was taken hold by, of Christ by me. So what he's saying is, if I could just take hold of the thing that took hold of me. That's what he's really saying. And that word there is seize. If I could just seize, what did I say seize meant? Seize means captivated. That Christ captivated me and if I just want to be captivated by Christ, what I, Christ has seized me by how great and surpassing value he is. He took hold of me and he purchased my redemption on that cross. And now I just want to take hold of him because he's taken hold of me. How many people have been taken hold of by Jesus, right? Taken hold of Jesus. And so, you know, uh, in a magnet... I'm not a science person, but I looked it up. You know, a magnet can lose its magnetism. It can lose its force of pull. And I looked up one of the ways you can increase and re-strengthen a magnet is you get a stronger magnet and you rub it on top of it. And you increase that friction. And that stronger magnet, for a time, can strengthen the lower one. 
And I thought about that with the Holy Spirit. If there's one goal I have for you today is that we could look at the Word of God and the Spirit of God is going to come in the room. That He, that Holy Spirit electricity, that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the most attracted person to Jesus Christ. That's His whole job is to point people to Jesus. And He's going to point you to Jesus. And if we could just let the Holy Spirit rub off on us a little bit today and draw us to see who Jesus really is, if we could leave this place today so much more in love with Him, so much more attracted to Him, we'll have achieved our goal, okay? So I want to give you seven really quick things that I, as I was praying over this, just that made me more attracted to Jesus. Because there's no greater pursuit than the pursuit of Christ. The first thing I think about when I want to see the surpassing value of Jesus is that there's no greater beauty. There's no greater beauty than Jesus. What do I mean? In Psalms 96, it says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. The psalmist is saying there is strength, there is majesty, there is glory, and there is beauty in his presence. Isaiah even said that when the, red, when the deemed of the Lord see him in that final day at that marriage supper of the Lamb, they will behold his beauty, that he will be the fairest of ten thousands. There will be no one more captivating than when you finally see Christ face to face, more than you when you see a beautiful baby being born, or, or you see the most beautiful sunset, or the most beautiful mountain range. It will pale in comparison to when you look upon the face and the glory and the radiance of Jesus, that it will be the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Some of us want to go on vacation. We want to sit in that tropical paradise and, and you drink your tea and you sit there on the beach. Come on, I know. Uh, drink your tea sitting there on the beach and you're going to see the beautiful waves crashing. Everybody wants to be there in the Bahamas or wherever. But when you see Christ, the whole world pales in comparison to the beauty of Jesus Christ. Even David said in Psalms 27, he said, the one thing I've really asked from the Lord, the one thing I shall seek, that at the end of my life I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. To behold the beauty of the Lord and meditate in His temple. There's no greater beauty than Jesus Christ. And, and while we can pursue relationships, we can pursue the beauty of money and fame, we can pursue the beauty of just sitting in front of our TV and taking our, 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 our time and our rest and just, just thinking about oh, the pleasure of just resting in TV, the pleasure of just being with this person, the pleasure of, of just going onto that beach. There's no greater pleasure, no greater beauty, no greater attraction than Jesus Christ. Second is there's no greater friendship Psalms 8, 4 says, What is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? This is a God, think about this, this God. This is a God who is willing to come to a righteous man like Abraham. And it said that when he came to Abraham and he showed himself and revealed himself to just a man named Abraham, that he was willing, and Abraham believed the word of God, the, the Bible says that he was willing to count Abraham as his friend, reckon him as righteous, count him as his friend. And, and here's this God who finds a righteous man and wants to be his friend. And, and I can kind of say, well, that's kind of cool because who wouldn't want to be a guy like Abraham's friend? But then God says, but I want to know every single person in the world that way. So I'm going to send the beauty of heaven down into a man's form. And that Jesus would come down and born of a virgin, walk this dirty, filled, nasty world. And he would be made flesh. And then the Bible counts this. Listen, the Bible says that he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. 
Think about it. God wanted to be a righteous man's friend, but they said, no, that's not good enough. I want to be every single person's friend. I want to walk with every person, talk with every person, get to know every person. And Jesus demonstrates that, and he comes down, and he's known by prostitutes washing his feet. He's known by tax collectors, traders that he ministers in their houses. He's going to Zacchaeus in a tree and says, come on down, I want to be with you today. That this God came down, and the beauty of heaven said, I want to be your friend. Your friend, think of it. This God, doesn't he captivate you? And for any who would believe, the Bible says in John 15, that he chose them and he called them. He says, no longer do I call you my slaves, but I call you my friends. Can you imagine? Doesn't that, there's no, God, there's no Buddha, there's no Muhammad, there's nothing in this world. There's not a single God ever created by man that even compel, compares to a God like this, that want to be the friend of scoundrels like us. The beauty of heaven became our friend, and Proverbs says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's no greater beauty than Christ. There's no greater friendship than the friendship of Jesus, and there's no greater love. No greater love. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You see how this works in there's beauty, and there's friendship. He says, and then I love my friends so much, I will lay down my life for them. This son of God would become a son of man, and he would leave, all would leave him and flee. He would love them to the end, John 13 says. And Paul says in Philippians that he emptied himself and he took the form of a bondservant, even coming as a man in the flesh, that he would not even consider his position in God a thing to be grasped, that he would willingly abide by his Father's will to come down and die a death on a cross, a cursed death, because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And there he would empty himself out for the love of God and for the love of man. The beauty of heaven, who wanted to be your friend, would love you to the very end and he would die a death for you because he knew that if you died and we're going to take God's punishment and God's wrath on sin which would send you to hell that he would bear the punishment of your sin and going to hell for you he would do that for you because he loved you he loved you to the very end that he would endure the wrath of God and though we did not seek him he sought us and God so loved the world he sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sin. And Paul says that Christ would die for the ungodly, for the sinners like us. There's nothing more amazing, there's nothing more attracting than the love of God. Maybe you haven't seen it because there's so many other pursuits in your life, so many other forces drawing you. But if you could just take a moment and really get captivated by Christ, that there is no greater beauty, there's no greater friendship, there's no greater love in this world. I know you love your kids. I know you love your family. Some of us, like Sammy, love baseball. Some of us love sitting in front of the TV. Some of us love vacation. Some of us love Taco Bell. But there's no greater love than the love that's been poured out through Jesus Christ for you. And if that doesn't attract you, there's also no greater power. There's no greater power than Christ because though he, the beauty of heaven became your friend and he loved you to the end, there was no greater power. And Acts 2 says, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. This Jesus 
he held the power of resurrection. There's no greater power. I don't know what your 4x4 drives, guys, but there's no greater power than the power in Jesus. I don't care what the U.S. military says of how many nuclear arsenals we have. There's no greater power than the, all the atom bombs combined on the world. There's no greater power than resurrection power. There's not one person who can bring a single person back from the dead today. With all the medical science and technology and putting people on the moon, we've yet to be able to conquer death and the grave. And there's no greater power than resurrection power. There's no greater power than the creator and the sustainer of all things. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, He is far above rule and authority and power and dominion. And this is a guy that just at the very mention of his name, demons tremble and flee, that the mountains will melt like wax before the presence of the Lord, that all the moon and the stars and the heavens will shake at the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. This is the power of heaven. And he was a beauty, and he became a friend, and he loved you to the end. But because he died in your stead, the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave can resurrect your life and your body. There's coming a day, and I don't care what pursuit you have in your life, of your own reputation, what job you want to have, and all the pursuits and dreams and ambitions you have, there's coming a day where every single person is going to stand and acknowledge from Hitler to, to the President of the United States to every man, woman, boy, and girl ever born in the history of the world. They're all going to stand, and when he stands on his throne, they're all going to say, Jesus is Lord. They're going to have to admit it. Everyone in the world will admit on that day, He is the greatest, most supreme power in all the universe. There's no greater power. And that makes me attracted to Jesus. Because I know if that guy's got my back, I ain't got nothing to worry about. There's no greater power than the power of Jesus. We have the surpassing greatness of His power towards those who believe, Paul says, and God will raise us up through that same power. There's no greater beauty, no greater friendship, no greater love, no greater power, and there's no greater wealth. True riches and wealth are in his house, Psalms 112 says. Ephesians says that in him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. You know, there's a lot of things in wealth in this world. We're the wealthiest nation in the world. I thank God after going on missions trips, I come home sometimes. I thank God for air conditioning like the times we're having right now. Thank God for air conditioning. Thank God for hot water, running water. Thank God for electricity. Thank God for all kinds of things that we're, we have in wealth. I thank God for being able to pay my bills have food on the table, but there's no greater riches than the riches of His grace. There's no greater wealth than the storehouse that He has for us in heaven. And it's not a monetary thing. We can think about heaven and wanting to go there with streets of gold and pearly crystal seas and all that kind of stuff, but you've heard it said before that while we have asphalt for roads here, they have gold for, for asphalt in heaven. Wealth is nothing in heaven. The wealth of knowing God is knowing the riches of His grace, the knowledge of having Him. Even Paul says that we have the riches of His kindness in Romans 2, the riches of His glory in Romans 9, and the riches of his wisdom and knowledge in Romans 11, that you have been lavished with knowing him. 
Just lavish with knowing that's the wealthiest thing you could ever have in this life. And you can be the poorest person on this earth. But if you have Jesus, you are the richest person because you have the wealth of heaven. You see, even the, even the devil was jealous when God had elevated man to a place of intimate relationship with him. Because there's no greater wealth, there's no greater pursuit, there's no greater gain than gaining Christ. And we could just see that and say, God, all these earthly pursuits. And Jesus says, you know, seek first the kingdom. All these things you're looking for. Man, the world, they, they care about all this petty stuff of what I have and what I don't have and who has and who has not. He's like, the birds are richer than you. Man, the flowers are richer than you. The flowers are richer than Solomon. And they don't worry about things. Pursue the kingdom. That's the greatest pursuit in the history of the world is the pursuit of getting in God's grace getting in his presence, getting in his knowledge to know him. That's why Philippians, he says, when Paul's writing in jail in Philippians chapter 4, he's in jail, prison, hang, uh, chained to a Roman guard in a house arrest, and he says, God, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul knew something. This is all pointless in this world. The only point, the only thing worth giving all for is Jesus. And that's because there's no greater cause. He opens up this letter we just started off and he says, there's no greater cause. He says in chapter 1, verse 13, he says, I was imprisoned for the cause of Christ. For the cause of Christ. And he said in a few verses later, he says, why? Because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Even in another, chapter, in another epistle, he says, Woe to me if I don't pursue Christ. Woe to me if I don't preach this gospel. Woe to me. There is nothing I could better do than this is the most important thing to tell people about Jesus. There's no greater cause. We live in a day right now. Listen, there's a, there, there is a cause on every corner. You can have a cause for, for dogs and cats and homeless shelters for dogs and cats. You can have a cause for this race versus that race, cause for this political party or that political party. You can be pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine. You can be red t-shirt versus black t I don't, you can have a cause for anything but the greatest cause today is still the cause of Jesus Christ there is nothing better to do with your life than the cause of Christ there's nothing more worth laying your life down for that's why these young men left their fishing nets in Matthew 5 it's why the young man was told to miss his funeral for his own father in Matthew 8 it's why Levi left his tax collecting job in Matthew 9 and it's why people left their inheritance in Matthew chapter 9 verse 22 it is nothing worth more there is no greater cause than laying your life down for the pursuit of of Jesus Christ. And do you have that attraction to him today? Do you have it to where you put everything in balance and you say, man, my life really isn't in order to the attraction of Christ, that I'm really pursuing my career. I've really pursued just having a, a day off. I've really just pursued of having my coffee today to get me through. I've really pursued what people think about me. I've really pursued getting all my unforgiveness out and all these people that I need to, they need to make it right with me and they need to fix what they did to me. And, and I, I have all these things that we want to order our life by. But if we put all that aside and say, the greatest thing I care about today is just being with Jesus. And let's be honest, how many of us get up every day and think that way? That we could come and get acclimated and say, man, 
The greatest attraction in my life today is not just getting out of work at 5 o'clock and going home and taking a little bit off. It's not getting to the weekend so we can go to the lake. My, my greatest attraction today, my greatest force of pull, the thing that is drawing me, his magnetism, his beauty, his friendship, his love, his power, his cause is Christ. You see, there's no greater pursuit than the pursuit of Christ. Paul says, I was, I was caught up with him. I was, I, when I, Beth and I started dating, uh, you know, we were 16 years old, and, and I, I know, I remember as a young man, that there's nothing I wanted to do more in the evenings than just chat. And we didn't have chat back then, text. We, you know, email, instant messenger, whatever it was, uh, to talk to my wife. My, I didn't know she was going to be my future wife, but I was caught up with her. My extra money that I had at 16 years old working at a, a factory, it, it went to buy her stuff, saving up for a wedding ring. And, and because you're caught up with that person. And I wonder, what if we could just realign ourselves and let the Holy Spirit, like that magnet, recharge, recalibrate, intensify the force of pull once again. Say, God, let's just get near your word and let's get near your spirit and realign ourselves and say, God, I know by faith, Christ should be the greatest attraction in my life. And everything else would pale in comparison. Every sacrifice would look minuscule compared to the pull of the magnetism of Christ. And that's why he says in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, even if I have to fellowship in his suffering, even if I have to be conformed to his death. And he, despite suffering loss of all things, he says, I will still be willing to press towards the goal of that upward call, of that prize. Because he realized something. Christ's surpassing value is not just some kind of religious thing. It's not just some, I can have this and add my life onto it. You see, at the end of this life, unless you have him as your ultimate force of pull, you'll find that out on judgment day. He'll say, well, I don't think we really ever had that intimate communing knowledge, so depart from me. Because the people that will make it on that day are the people who have elevated Christ to the highest force of pull in their life. He's not something you can add on. He's not another magnet. He's not something, he has to win out. Do you hear me this morning? And I'll plead with you as a pastor Make sure Christ is the greatest attraction in your life. There are so many things you can get lost with. We put our kids in dance and ball, and we go to this, and we go to there, and we go, 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 and we do, 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 and we fill our life with so many things. But at the end of the day, the greatest legacy I want to leave these two little girls is there is no greater pursuit than the pursuit of Christ. There's no greater attraction than the attraction of Christ. There's no greater magnetism than the magnetism of Christ. And if there's anything in your life that would hinder you from being drawn closer to him, you better leave it down right now. You better put it aside because that thing will send you to hell. It might be different for each one of you. You might be drawn to baseball. You might be drawn to swimming. You might be drawn to a career. You might be drawn to what people think about you. You might be drawn to figuring out things in your past. You might be drawn with just taking a day off and just getting by in life. Whatever it is, you better lay it down because Christ is worth everything. He's worth everything, church. I didn't know that growing up. I grew up in church. I didn't know that. But the more I've gotten to rub with him 
and rub next to the Holy Spirit, the more I've gotten to rub on his word and put his word here, man, the greater he gets. And the greater he gets, and the greater, the more time you spend in his word, the greater he gets. The more time you spend in his spirit, the gr- and you just get drawn more and more and more, and you're willing to give up more and more and more. Is Christ the greatest force of attraction in your life? Because the greater the attraction, the greater the pull. Has he seized you? Man, are you, are you seized, captivated? in love with Jesus. I ask our team to come. I want us to pray and take the next several minutes of prayer and worship because I want the Holy Spirit to just recharge and align us and say, God, I, I just need, I need the, the electricity of the Holy Spirit just to put that magnetism in me again, that, that draw to Jesus. And, and maybe in the next moment, you need to just take some inventory. You see, the enemy of God's best can be something good. There's a lot of great things and good things in this life. And, and ball is good and dance is good and, and our jobs are good and our families are good. And, and, and even personal wealth is, can be good. But it may not be God's best for you. If there's anything that you've settled that, that say, God, would you examine my heart that there is no greater love than the love of Jesus. There's no greater pursuit than the pursuit of Jesus. There's no greater gain in my life than gaining Jesus. And everything else can come along, but it has to come second. It has to come additional. All these pursuits, our education, our job position, what we want to accomplish with our life, the dreams that we have, the things we want to do before we die, all those things, are they second to the draw and the drawing you have towards Christ? Holy Spirit, right now in this place, would you just rest? Would you just electrify our hearts? deeper to Jesus. And maybe there's saints of God in this room. They have loved Jesus for many